0: Welcome,
1: welcome to Awakening Torah Musar Mindfulness. This week, we are awakening Chaye Sarah, the Torah portion that we jumped into yesterday on Shabbat of the 19th of November, the 25th of Cheshvan and 5783. If you had a chance to read it and prepare yourself, Uh, The week before then you're ready to jump in with me. So we call it Awakening Chaye Sarah. Today's date is actually the 20th of November, the 26th of Cheshvan. Um, Please forgive us for any of you who are attempting to log into the Zoom link or uh, on live streaming. We're having a bit of technical difficulty, uh, but hopefully this will all uh, be addressed soon. So Before we begin, what is it that we do every week? If you're new, eh, I will first will introduce myself. I'm Rabbi Hasio Oriel Steinbauer. I'm the founder and director of the Institute for Holiness, Kihilat Musar, where we practice Musar mindfulness. We have tracks of Musar, tracks of mindfulness, and the integration and synergy of both to learn from the wisdom of both. And all are welcome to learn from these ancient traditions and wisdom. And I'm delighted to have you in our weekly series of Awakening on Sundays at 1230 Eastern Standard Time. And the usual way that we uh, move into this together is that we begin with our covenant, our intentions for today's practice. So I always uh, share screen at this point for those of you who have vision, for those of you who don't or are listening to audio, um, you will hear me read our intentions, our kavanot for today's practice, which is the same every Sunday. So the first, we see this act, this practice that we're doing together every Sunday as an act of caring for the self. Um, And it's not just a self that's insular, like an island to oneself, but one that is deeply connected and rooted in community. That will make sense when we get to the second and third covenant. Um, uh, So we're doing this radical self-care together. And so we say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my own soul in order to be a benefit to others in the future. We're also doing this practice uh, for others, for the sake of them, right? For service of them, of service to God in them. We say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my relationship to others. So I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. And finally, we see this uh, time together of learning and practicing Musar mindfulness with the weekly Torah portion. Excuse me if I sneeze. <laughs> I can feel it coming. And that we see this as strengthening our relationship with the divine. So we say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my relationship with the creator, God, Hashem, the holy one. So I can be a better conduit of God's good when others, to others when they need me. Okay. So that's what we're holding in for our intention today, that we continue to strengthen ourselves so that we can. Uh, fulfill all of this together out in the world to make it a better place so i'm going to stop sharing screen now um, and move into our practice today so as if you've been following along we started a new torah cycle right back in bereshit and then we moved into noach and then we moved into lech lecha um and um and then we had a uh, Vayera right before isara. and so that means we're on the fifth, um, the fifth of this meeting, this fifth of a session of uh, learning and practicing together. So um, there's obviously so much rich material. In all of these weekly Torah portions, if you read through them in whatever language you uh, are comfortable in, there's much that we could uh, discuss and learn from and practice. But I'm going to hone in uh, on our beloved Rivka, right? Um, of R- uh, Rebecca, right? Uh, in the English. Um, why am I choosing to do this? Because if you've been following the pattern along, uh, we really uh, pointed out during Bereshit that uh, it's quite a gift that God gave us the knowledge that we were created in the likeness and image of the divine. Uh, there was under no uh, no uh, circumstances did we necessarily have to have that knowledge or know it. Um, but because we do, we that really, if we can internalize that as a daily practice, it strengthens our self-esteem and self-worth so that we're balanced in anava of humility to be able to be out in the world, right? To be able to, uh, to care for others and to do the mitzvot and commandments if that's what we do and if uh, we want to make this a better place. so. With that in mind, we've been looking at examples from our ancestors where people are really strong in anava of humility, of how much space they take up with their concern for self and others and God. And with that, are like a whole array of other midot, of other soul traits that fall within that. Strong core anava of humility, right? So you have Zerizut, enthusiasm, and you have sedic righteousness. Uh, someone who's really uh, that's combined with chesed with loving kindness, right? And so you have this uh, this beautiful setup where you're starting to see these other midots like uh, uh, the spokes of a uh, of a of a wheel on a uh, on a bicycle, right? Of uh, nine. And uh, you can begin to see, as long as you have that strong core of knowing that you are a child created in the image and likeness of the divine, it really uh, sends out these sun rays of strengthening the other middot. So we're going to jump into uh, this beautiful person, our beautiful ancestor, who um, becomes selected. uh, (laughs) to uh, serve and be uh, as the spouse of Yitzhak, the son of Avraham. So you may recall back in in Vaira that we ended with um, Avraham, our beloved ancestor, being commanded to take his son Yitzhak and to offer him as a sacrifice uh, in a certain location. And uh, that sacrifice of course gets uh, um, changed to a ram and the whole thing is kind of understood as a test in some form of Abraham. Um, nothing really gets discussed in the Torah of what that was like for Yitzhak, uh, what that was like for Sarah, his mother, either knowing about it or hearing about it after- afterwards. This is in the Torah itself. There are midrashim, a rabbinic exegesis text that expound upon this. But we're left with Yitzhak leaving one direction last week and Avraham going another direction. All right, so we can fill in those blanks, right? We can understand that um, he returns, and it might be immediately or years later. Um, again, there's the timing's not very clear. That his mother dies when he returns. Okay. Uh, and you can imagine, we can have our own reading of why she died, but you can imagine what this is like for a child to uh, almost be murdered or homicide by their father uh, because he's commanded by his God to do so, and then to come down and not have his Ima, his mother, the other parent to support him through this. So you can imagine that there's probably some form of trauma uh, and uh, and perhaps even a turning in, right? And so that's Yitzhak. Um, We do notice that Avraham in his distance decides to still care for his son. It's not as if something's changed for him. Uh, He knows that it's part of his obligation uh, and his desire to find a spouse for Uh, His wife, perhaps out of concern for his own fulfillment and wish for what God had promised him that there would be uh, lineage and um, offspring, and that has to happen through Yitzhak. Uh, So, Avraham causes one of his servants, which we assume is Eliezer, but it's not named in the Torah, to um, go find a, a wife. a a partner, a spouse for Yitzhak back in his homeland. Um, I'm not going to touch upon why he's sending him there versus finding him a local spouse that gets discussed in the rabbinic text. But what I'm interested in in is this young, amazing uh, woman, uh, sometimes known as a young maiden. (laughs) Um, And her name is Rivka in the Hebrew, uh, Rebecca uh, so to give you the scenario, if you're not familiar, we are in chapter 24, uh, starting on pasukim. Let's see here, 15, where uh, the servant has decided that what his quality is, what is he looking for in a spouse? Two things. Two things. So you, I want you to think even right now for yourself. If you had to decide as your own parent to yourself. What would be the criteria, two things, that you would look for and expect in a spouse? Just two things. And then what do you think your parents would want from that that spouse, right? Okay. So what what is the servant looking for, right? What is his criteria for a good wife? That she give him water after his long journey and that she give his camels water. Okay it doesn't it's not the particular of the water or him but it's that someone eh, these deeds these two acts signify and represent midot character traits and deeds that someone is strong and balanced in okay and so what they signify when someone is a complete stranger that you meet at the well and you decide to lower the water you've already filled up and are carrying to offer them water, to give it to them when they ask for a little water, right? The language, we're going to follow this language here. So the servant says, you know, may I please have a little water? Okay. So she already is moving it off of carrying it, which is a burden in and of itself, moves it off and gives him water. And before he can even ask, may I either have more or will you feed my animals? Uh, Will you give some to my animals? All that. And it's not just that she, you know, nonchalantly gives him the water. She hurries. She hurries to do it. Okay. She lowers her jar and drink. Right. And then all of a sudden you, uh, she has him drink his fill. And uh, she says, I'll also draw for your camels until they finish drinking. Now, let me give you the context of these camels. When a camel has traveled through the desert, it requires a huge significant amount of water to fill back up. The humps basically carry the water for them. 25 gallons per camel. There are 10 of them with the servant. It's 250 gallons. Here, I took a picture of 25 gallons. Let's see if I can pull it up for you. (laughs) It's always good to get visuals, right? So we can really understand. For those of you who have sight, For those of you who don't, I will describe as as best detail as I can how large this is. So you can get a sense of 25. Okay, it's a small picture. But this big barrel that collects water outside someone's house is 25 gallons. She gets 10 of these, the equivalent of 10 of these. So for someone who doesn't have vision or cannot see it's one of those huge water barrels that people put on the side of their house to collect water. Um, so she gets 10 of these and fills exactly what the camels need. All right. This is a huge amount of labor. Um, not something that most people would do for a stranger and probably even reluctantly for, for even, uh, someone they didn't know. Right. <laughs> so, um, Let's move here. So what, what are her midot? What are her qualities to even uh, jump into this, right? Because she, she does all this too, quickly, right? She quickly empties her jar into the trough, she runs back to the well, she drew for all of his camels, okay? And um, I'm going to talk about if you think this is going overboard, but I think it's there for a reason, and we'll touch upon it, okay? But first, the midot, she is mindful, She's very emotionally intelligent, meaning she she can see that this person is thirsty and he's sitting here there with 10 camels. The fact that he asked for water to drink, eh, there might even be an assumption there on her part that he maybe is disabled or can't retrieve it himself. Otherwise, why would he ask when he could clearly get his own water from the well? Um. So she rightly assumes if he can't get his water, then he obviously cannot get the water for all these camels. And so she not only, so she's considerate, she's considering the needs of the other. And so she's mindful of it. She's aware of these animals also, also in addition to them. So there's great sedic, great righteousness, great chesed, great loving kindness. She going way up and beyond what the average person would be expected or would do in a situation like this, right? So um, eh, we have this concept in Judaism that there's the mitzvot, the commandments, the basic law of how you're supposed to behave. And then there are those who behave like Avraham, who basically go up and beyond the, uh, the, the law uh, we call that Chesed or Sedek, uh, loving kindness or righteousness, um, and and then and in all honesty, our tradition really I think uh, aspires to and really hopes that it's a, uh, it's Jews, it's people will um, be like uh, Avraham, right? You're, you're, you're supposed to aspire to be like Avraham. and so um, I think. Uh, um this is what we're witnessing here so let's just let's just delve into this quickly right here before we do because <laughs> she's kind of amazing right she has this is not her only me right she has a ton of zeri of enthusiasm right uh, there's no tearing uh, you know like holding back or um being there's no laziness she's quick acting she's in alignment with her values um And so immediately, if you've been following along, you should think, well, this reminds me of a certain ancestor. Like who else is quick to get up to perform mitzvot or go above and beyond what's expected? So immediately you should think of Avraham, right? Yitzhak's father. Um, So he's obviously someone who got up and went when God commanded him to go leave his country, his family. where his family lived uh, and, and leave his father's house and go to a land that he is foreign to him, that he, that he will be a ger shot. he will be an alien, a foreigner um, in this new location. He just gets up and goes, right? So what else did he do this for? If you might recall, he did this with the same type of behavior when he found out his nephew Lot had been kidnapped by the five kings, Taken completely very far north, like the equivalent of Syria today. And he went and 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 fought them in a war and redeemed the captive, which is a huge mitzvah, right? But this is way above and beyond what the average person would do, right? Um, or maybe even what is required of them. We're not required to go to war personally to go and save our nephew. And when we're we're required to try to raise funds to Um, you know, bribe the people to pay them back to allow the captive to go all sorts of things. But he goes and goes to war. What else does he do? He, uh, he, um, he, when he sees the three men who end up being angels right after he has surgery, after circumcision, he gets up and runs to them and he bows down to them offering that they wash their feet and they come and he's going to feed them and give them water. You know, this is all his same chesed, his loving kindness, his sedek, his righteousness to consider the needs of someone else at the height of the day, the heat in the desert, uh, that he wants to accommodate them and bring them in and make sure that they are protected from the heat and the sun. Um, He also does it, obviously, with the most controversial thing, which uh, is what we addressed last week in Bayera, where he rose early in the morning to attempt to fulfill God's command to sacrifice his son, Yitzhak. So, uh, obviously, if you're like me, you wish that he had not done that, that he had tarried and argued, right, that he was not going to, that maybe the God of justice and kindness would not request such a thing or expect such a thing like Taking like he argued on the behalf of Sodom and Amora, right? Where he really um, felt that uh, both the righteous and uh, that the righteous basically should not be murdered on the account of those who are doing evil deeds and acts. Uh, He really wants an act of mercy. So this is Rivka, Uh, Rebecca here should really start triggering that model for you, right? So let's look at some more of the deeds, right? Uh, Also in how Abraham buries his wife, right? He he does, he eulogizes her and cries for her and then seeks out among the Hittites to arrange for buying a burial plot for her to do it, right? He's doing all these amazing deeds. Some of them that we see as like basic that are required by law, but usually there's always like a step up and beyond it, right, what we call the chetzah, the tzedek, the righteousness and loving kindness. And so this is uh, this is Rivka, okay? So you might be thinking, okay, the servant is looking for someone like Avraham, even though it's never stated as such, right? But he's looking for someone who is kind and generous, um, who considers others, who is emotionally intelligent, who um, is willing to be uncomfortable and, and engage in labor uh, uh, to to provide for the needs of others. Um, So a little bit of self-sacrificing essentially, right? So um, he chooses uh, Rivka. So just to impress upon you um, to discuss this and and discuss it from a a gender perspective to give us some real strong perspective here of who this Rivka is, all right? So I want to press upon you the, um, the magnanimity of her deeds, of her soul, and of her soul traits, of her midot, uh, that she's um, inc- incredibly courageous. Um, but if we had imagined her, if, if she wasn't confined to her gender and her role back in the ancient Near East, and we, if we could, it, this is a Musar mindfulness practice. We're going to engage in just briefly right now. What, what's called imagine imagination practice where we could really engage in envisioning her in the role of Avraham. Okay. In order to see, um, we're going to learn how amazing she is. Okay. So let's picture Rivka. Rivka, Rivka gets the call from God. This is a new version of the Torah. <laughs> She gets the call from God to get up, leave uh, Betula, uh, her her Abba, her father, uh, leave Levon, her her brother, or, um, and get up, leave her land and her family's home and go to listen to this voice in a new land, right, to follow the commands. She goes, she travels with her, her niece, um, her niece and her have to part because they have too many cows in common. Um, Unfortunately, the niece ends up getting kidnapped uh, by five queens, uh, and um, Rivka decides to go to war uh, to retrieve back her niece, right, to redeem the captive. So she travels very far from the middle of the state of Israel today, Medina of Israel, up to uh, Syria, retrieves her niece, right? Uh, And then she... um, She uh, undergoes uh, a covenant, a a sort of a Brit, not a Brit law, obviously, but something that requires uh, her to have some change in her body uh, to mark that relationship. And um, she's recovering from that surgery and three women come in the heat of the day, women angels, where she runs to them and is bowing, even though she's recovering from surgery. Um, she has them, cleanses their feet, feeds them. She instructs her, her spouse, her husband, perhaps, uh, the other servants to prepare the food and the water. She does all that, you know, she does it with enthusiasm. And then of course, uh, she, um, you know, is commanded to, sacrifice her only daughter, her beloved daughter, her one, even though she's had another daughter who uh, went off, uh, was essentially kicked out of the family uh, and she uh, does that, she gets up early in the morning to do that. So this might sound absurd or it might make some of you uncomfortable listening to this, but others it might be really amazing and exciting to listen to, wow, like I never picture this. I never imagined this, right? But this is Rivka, right? And so I want us to know that sometimes we're stuck, especially in a text, in the gender role in which we're born, right? That she could never do those things because women weren't allowed to do those things back then. And God was not calling to women to leave their land to do such things, um, probably because of the gender roles, right? Like a woman is, is not to leave the household. Um So, which makes it all the more painful when Hagar is actually kicked out because she's a woman who's by herself, isolated in the middle of the desert, okay, with a child. So, um, I think that's why we have a story now that seems so out of proportion, that someone would feed someone, give a stranger water, that, that we can understand maybe. But then to go and get 250 gallons of water to feed their camel, to to make sure their their camels are hydrated also. It seems way up and beyond, right? But we need a story like that to come across if you're paying attention and reading it slowly. We need that absurdity in order to kind of wake us up to how special and amazing Rivka is in her being in her soul and in her midot of sedek and chesed of righteousness and loving kindness that she really is this uh, a person of of generosity and kindness and um courage and bravery um someone full of anava of balanced humility she takes up her proper amount of space she does it with zerizu with enthusiasm and joy She's running around crazy. I can just picture her as a as a young girl, young woman, and, you know, excited about life, excited about meeting this new person. And she really is a religious role model. And had she been a man, we would be praying today, not just Elohei Avraham, we would be saying Elohei Rivka. And I know that we add her in the more liberal communities, add this into her prayer. But I'm talking about an all prayer. That had she been a male, she would have been included in the patriarchs, right, in the avotenu, in our forefathers, and our patriarchs and our um, fathers. So eh, I don't, I want, I don't want you to shortchange her. I want you to realize how important she is to. Who we want to emulate, but who she is to our ancestors. And um why is she so she's just and why why do we need an Avraham replacement? Well, Avraham obviously is aging and about to die soon. But we also need an Avraham replacement because Yitzhak will never be able to be that inner Avraham. Not that he should, no one should necessarily be a exactly like their parent, right? They need to be their own person, their own temperament, their own personality. But he, through that trauma that he survived and then the trauma of losing his mother, right? Afterwards, right? He is not able to be enthusiastic and uh, other-oriented. And, uh, you know, he does so, you know, a lot of people think that he doesn't do much, right? But he does, he does something very important. Uh, I'll just quickly point out to you, he is commanded never to leave the land of Israel. He doesn't leave, right, the land of Canaan. He fulfills his role. It might come across as passivity, but it's a quiet role, but it's extremely strong, meaning he knows his role is to remain there and to make sure that that next generation makes it. So Avraham obviously leaves the land of Canaan of Israel. He goes down to Egypt during the famine and returns. Yitzhak is not to do so. commanded not to. He knows his place, his role, he fulfills it. It's like a it's like that quiet strength, right? And so it, we're not going to get the um, the mag and uh, uh, Avraham, right? Uh, in Yitzhak instead, we're um, going to witness that in the choice of the spouse, right? The servant seeks out an Avraham replacement. All right. Um, so um, that's what I want to impress on you. Um, I, eh, we're going to move into our guided meditation practice together. Oh, I will share one more wonderful thing with you before we move on. And I have a minute to do so. So, um, you know how I love Nahama Lebowitz, right? She's one of my uh, favorite teachers. And uh, for those of you who don't know her, she's a wonderful Torah scholar. May her memory be for a blessing. And um, he is uh, she. She brings just uh, she, she approaches the Torah from a literary analysis, in addition to the Chazal, bringing the classic medieval rabbis that we learn a commentary from. Um, And listen to her here, just to press upon you even more about Rivka, what's going on here. Uh, And we can apply this to our practice coming up. Okay. So the first example, when um, the servant comes and um, he's standing by the well, right. And she says the ordinary reaction, this is on page 225 of new studies in Bereshi, Genesis, excuse me. And um, she says the ordinary reaction, and I would say not even ordinary, the the accepted, the basis of you shall cause no harm, right? The basis of what is hateful to you, do not do to others, which we say is like the central precept of the Torah. If we're going to put it in one, one idea, one word, one commandment, one, one way of being from this coming from a discussion, obviously uh, from um, Hillel and Shammai, and then later Akiva, this idea of standing on one foot, if you could summarize the whole Torah, uh, you know, what is hateful you do not do to others. So here's the girl, the average girl, right? Which might be um, yourself or even me included, right? The ordinary reaction would be to the servant who just asks for a little bit water. You're standing by the well, help yourself to the water, right? Maybe in a kinder way, are, are you able to go ahead and get the water from the well yourself? Like why? Like, and, and, and of course, the thoughts in the head would be like, why don't I have to do this for you, right? Okay. That's your ordinary person who doesn't want to cause harm, but it's not going to be bothered to go beyond that. Then it says there, there were plenty of girls going out to fetch water at that hour. That was the time when, when girls traditionally went out to get water. And then she says that she could imagine the average girl saying, why pick on me? Right. When I've already replaced the jug on my shoulder, we know this from the Torah text, pick another girl who's still holding the water jug in her hand. This is like passing responsibility. Some of our previous ancestors probably would have responded this way, right? I can even think of Kyan, Cayenne doing this, right? <laughs> or even Adam, like, you know, why you, why are you picking on me? <laughs> Go ask one of the other girls. And then she says, eh, it, it goes on to say that eh, eh, she has to do special effort to let down the brim of the water drug for him to drink. And she would be justified in being annoyed, right? And tilt the jar yourself from my shoulder and drink. Don't bother me to do it yourself, right? right? Don't bother me when you could do it yourself, essentially. So again, this is the person who's at the basic level. I, I'm not going to cause harm to someone, but I'm not going to cause good to someone, right? That's up and beyond. That's the, le- the level of sedik, of chesed, of righteousness and loving kindness. And finally, goes on to say um, her offer to give camels to drink obviously is way up and beyond anything we can imagine. And this is where we get this beautiful reading right here. She says, this man is obviously handicapped and cannot draw the water himself from the well and lower the jug. If he cannot give himself a drink, he most certainly cannot water his camels also. This would indicate her kindness to animals and not forgetting the thirst of them. I think this is even more kindness than animals. This is kindness to the servant because she's trying to consider in her head why he can't actually handle the water himself. Right. And so she gets this from her mindfulness practice. She's in alignment with her midot. It's, and so that's such a beautiful reading that Nahama brings because it helps us in our practice, right? Where we are looking at in our practice of sedik of righteousness Where are we doing what's hateful to us we don't do to others, okay? That's the basic level. It's in Theravada Theravada Buddhism, you shall not do any harm, right? You should try not to cause harm and suffering. That's the basic level. What is the level beyond that? For us who are practitioners of Musa mindfulness, we attempt to be on this path towards holiness. It is the path of sedik of chesed. It is the path of rivka. Parts of Avraham What? What is it that we're doing? We are trying to go above, beyond that. We're trying to bring good to others, not just not cause them harm, right? Or not just do, make sure that we don't do what's hateful to us to them. Okay, that is the practice. Uh, that's going to also be our practice during the week. Uh, let me cover that before we move into our mindfulness meditation practice for today. Uh, again, I told you that we're learning from Rabbi uh, Jamie Arnold who has a wonderful practice called Torah Tamima, and uh, uh, we we look at Amida, we're going to uh, practice this sedik, this righteousness of being kind to others, bringing goodness and kindness to others. Our mitzvah, our commandment, is going to be in service of another, so I want you to think daily as your kavanah, your intention, what is one way I can bring good to someone today, and Pick a specific person, make it small. It's a Kabbalah, it's a practice. Pick something small that you can be successful at, okay? And then the Avodah, the service, is this intra-personal spiritual practice. This is going to be our mindfulness meditation today that you can practice daily, all right? So come to your upright position for your meditation practice. It can either assume one of the four postures traditionally that we do in mindfulness meditation. For those of you new to meditation, you can sit uh, either on the ground or in a chair, you can stand, you can do walking meditation or you can lie down. And I want you to begin by drawing yourself in, coming to awareness allowing yourself to settle and arrive. You may close your eyes if you feel safe, being held and grounded by holding your feet to the earth, knowing that you are here in this practice, beginning with three deep cleansing breaths, inhalation and exhalation and inhalation.
0: Breathing in ease,
1: exhalation, compassion. This is a practice from Thai from Tidna Khan, who says you breathe in ease. And you exhale. kindness and compassion. You are settling and arriving, leaving behind whatever preceded today, coming to your full attention to my voice your breath and body, whatever your anchor is for today. Noticing whatever is here for you, if there's anything trying to pull your attention away from the present moment, whether it's thoughts ruminating about something in the past, planning for the future, maybe they're very strong emotions calling for your loving attention. Maybe it's sensations in the body that are unpleasant, that are drawing your attention away. No need to push them away. That won't work as a practice anyway. We don't need aversion. We also don't need to over-identify with them, to simply observe them like a friend, what we call leaning in and befriending and even whisper to whatever is needed inside you that you will visit it later. That you'll be here
0: right here and right now. We are moving into a practice of gratitude that moves
1: us to generosity. Right? Part of the aim of this spiritual path is awakening such deep, joy, the benevolent, compassionate heart. Maybe because of everything, if not in spite of everything. Right? It is this hakarata tov, this gracious acknowledgement of all that sustains us. And with that energy, that that awakening to the good and giving thanks, moves us outward oriented to the other. We cannot help but give, to do the uh, nedivut, this generosity, this opening of the heart. And this is what we witness in Rivka today. This gladdened
0: heart, right? Full of joy,
1: courage, such beautiful thing to witness. That is why the servant sat there in awe, watching couldn't believe what was before him.
0: That pure heart, that moment of goodness. And we are grateful for her. We allow ourselves to sit
1: quietly and at ease, allowing our body to be relaxed and open. You can allow your breath to fall naturally now and we will begin to acknowledge all that has supported us in our own care. We can imagine our ancestor Rivka also being fully aware of all the gifts that she has
0: and had. With
1: gratitude, I remember the people, animals, plants, insects, creatures of the sky and sea air, water, fire, and earth, all those who bless me every day.
0: You can allow yourself to repeat this in any way that comes to you. With gratitude,
1: I remember the care and labor of a thousand generations of our ancestors and elders who came before us. And like Rivka, I offer my generosity to others for the safety and well-being that I have been given.
0: I offer my awareness and my
1: consideration, my enthusiasm to help the other for the blessings of this earth that I have been given.
0: Quietly repeat after me. I offer generosity for the measure of health that I have been given. I offer generosity for the family and friends I have been given. I offer generosity for the community I've been given. I offer generosity for the teachings and lessons I have been given. I offer generosity for the life I have been given. Think of the life force, the gratitude
1: that Rivka arrived at that well with, that she was able to open her heart and hand so quickly with Zeri Zut, with enthusiasm as she hurried to serve
0: the other. Continue to breathe gently, bringing to mind someone you care about. Picture them, feel the natural joy for their well being. And with each breath, we will offer the following heartfelt wishes. May you be joyful. Think about how much joy Rivka caused the servant. May your happiness increase. May you not be separated from great joy and well-being.
1: May your good fortune and the causes of your joy increase. Think about the lovely servant who
0: we think is Eliezer, right? Think about
1: how fortunate after he traveled so many miles to return to Abraham's homeland.
0: the joy he must have felt and experienced
1: knowing he was returning with not only the mission fulfilled, but with a great, great spouse
0: for Yitzhak.
1: Each day in this practice, extend it to another person you care for and gradually open your meditation to include neutral people, difficult people, and perhaps even those you would consider an enemy until you can extend this generosity and
0: gratitude to all beings everywhere.
1: When you are ready, gently and slowly open your eyes if you have them closed, join us back into this sacred space together that we've created. Bow to God or whatever divine presence you hold, bow to your practice, bow to your teachers, bow for taking refuge in this community, I'm delighted to have you today. Thank you for taking time out of your day to engage in this practice and learning together. I encourage you to practice all week, as I said, and please email me at the kehillatmusar.com, Rabbi Hasia at Let me know how your practice is going and how we at the Institute can be of support to you. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bezrat Hashem.